Hello everyone, I am your host Ahad Hassan, and welcome to Season 4 of Titan Alumni Talks, a weekly podcast where we talk to alumni about their experiences at Cal State Fullerton. For this week's episode, we have Yvonne Quaresma, who is the founder of the Climate Journal Project. She graduated in 2016 with a bachelor's in business admin with an emphasis in finance. Listen as we talk about what sustainability means for us and the planet, along with her goals to combat climate anxiety and environmental grief. You can catch these episodes live at 11 a.m. on Tuesdays at titanradio.org, or you can watch all past episodes on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash alumni. Thank you, Yvonne, for joining us today on the podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Ahad. It's really great to be here, even though it's virtual. All right, so let's get started with what you did at Cal State Fullerton, since that's kind of where your journey began. So you got your bachelor's in business admin, uh, particularly in finance, and you graduated in 2016, so just a couple of years ago. And so let's just start off. Why did you pick business admin? Yeah, I uh, have always kind of had uh, a passion for entrepreneurship, business. I didn't necessarily think that that's exactly what I was going to do my freshman year. I kind of uh, played around with communication, PR, uh, business, and then I just, I don't know, it, it was kind of one of those things where I took an accounting class and it didn't bother me, believe it or not. I just loved all the numbers and I loved all of it. I took a finance course and I was hooked. I took an econ course and uh, really I chose business um, Business, business administration because it challenged me and it just resonated with a lot of the impact that I wanted to make in the world. Uh, and another piece of that was I could use that degree to and apply it to anywhere. And what my one of my favorite things I did at Cal State Fullerton was the Entrepreneurship Society, if it's still around. Um, and so that was kind of one of the reasons why I just picked it and decided to stay. And and now I'm running my own startup. So it kind of has paid off and, and it makes sense why I chose that route. I think it's also kind of like the beauty of Cal State Fullerton. You have a lot of different options to kind of dabble into different areas and, and yeah, business has stuck. And then, uh, like you mentioned, you were doing a couple of programs on campus, and one of them uh, that like stood out to me was the Student Alumni Ambassadors so that uh, I'm currently part of. Um, so yeah, so uh, tell me why you decided to do like all of these different programs, and how did you manage to do them in your four years? Because four years is not a lot of time. It's not, but I sure stretched it. Uh, my freshman year, I did do, I was the president of freshman programs, and I was living on campus, so I was also working for the housing office. And I was a part of a few other groups on campus. Um, I was also part of a sorority. Um, at some point in my time at Cal State Fullerton, I was a alumni ambassador. And I loved that program because I knew that, you know, at some point my time at Cal State Fullerton was going to end. And even though I didn't want it to, I knew that it was going to end. And I knew that why reinvent the wheel if there are other people that have gone through um, not the same exact path as me, but a similar path as me. So I really joined not only to support uh, our alumni, but also to continue to learn from them and kind of, you know, uh, uh, ask them questions that I'm, I'm not entirely sure of. And I, I think I was just always a curious uh, student. And so the alumni ambassador program really helped me. 
And um, from there too, I worked for university outreach. I was, that was one of my jobs when I was in college and I fell in love with representing Cal State Fullerton in the Cal State system and helping high school students apply for college. That's what university outreach does. We actually go out into different high schools and talk about the different uh, career paths and different college paths that you could take so that you're successful when you apply for uh, college. And then any current students, if you are listening to this podcast, we do still have the Student Alumni Ambassador Network. Uh, you can go ahead and join uh, the club so you can get connected with alumni. Plus, this is kind of what the podcast was intended to do. So you did mention that you were in New York and you actually got your master's from NYU. Um, yeah. So that was in food studies. So so tell me a little bit about that. And that just seems like an <laughs> odd, like 180, you're going from business admin to food studies. So tell me yeah. like what kind of sparked that and where, what was the reasoning behind it? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So it, it definitely uh, is a shock to most people. I think that after I finish, you know, I, I'm business minded and on, I, I love entrepreneurship, but there's also been a side of me that has always been really heavily passionate about environmental and social impact. And while I was on campus at Cal State Fullerton, I was also the chief administrative officer through ASI. I started, I helped start one of the first farmers market on campus. Um, I started a club, it was called the Herbivore Club. It was a vegan vegetarian plant-based club. I, you know, I was really involved in a lot of social and environmental work. Um, and I wanted to apply. I already knew and kind of had the basics of a business knowledge and I wanted to dive even deeper into the social impact space. And the best thing about, I think the NYU program was that they started the food studies program in 1994. So uh, the food studies program is basically an intersection between food insecurity, food waste, um, food entrepreneurship, food tech. Um, and so, I took, I took that master's program and was on the food entrepreneurship pathway. I see. And then soon after that, that's when you found the Climate Journal Project. So um, I don't really have much experience with startup and I'm sure most people don't. Um, so the first thing is give us like a background of what um, started it or what kind of gave you the motivation to do that. And then I want you to walk us through like a day of the life of what it is to work at a startup. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I'll give you a background on Climate Journal and then um, Day in the Life will be really interesting because I love to talk about it. So Climate Journal Project, I did not know that I was going to be working on this. I didn't know I was going to be back in California. Nobody knew what was going to happen pre-pandemic. Um, pre-pandemic, I thought I was going to be staying in New York City for at least a few more years. Uh, I looked through my childhood bedroom and I found these old diaries that I used to write in. And I kind of just rolled my eyes and I told myself, wow, I used, I thought it was the end of the world when I was dealing with that problem. And so I was like, wait, I should journal about what I'm currently going through because what if in five years from now, maybe it's not that much of a big deal, but you know, the climate crisis is something that has a lot of urgency. And so there's a lot of weight there. And this felt a little, as an adult, I felt like this was something more serious. So I started to journal about I started to dedicate my journal and my yoga practice to environmental impact. And what I found was for a long time, even starting at Cal State Fullerton, I've always thought that climate action needed to be something drastic and something so elaborate. It needed to be something, you know, announced. But there are Greta Thunderbergs out there. There are climate leaders out there that are making a difference. But 
for me, I think the center and the compass of anything in the climate and social movement should center around gratitude. And so I started sharing my journal prompts. So every day I had a new journal prompt and I shared it with my friends. And then within two weeks, we went from 14 people to 200 people. Uh, and it was just a journal prompt that was being sent to you in your inbox. Um, and uh, and then from 200 people, we had uh, people journaling with us from Malawi, Africa, Brazil, uh, parts of Asia, parts of the UK. And that was when I was like, okay, this is actually something. People actually resonate with climate anxiety and environmental grief. People are actually sad about the climate crisis, but don't know what to do about it. My hope is that these journal books and the community that we've built represent that gratitude that I was talking about. Um, it's often overlooked and the simplicity of climate action is not always talked about. And again, it's really just going outside and thinking to yourself, wow, I am so lucky that I get to be able to experience this mountain or this hike or this beach because it might not be there in 50 to 100 years. Um, but at least what we can do now is show some gratitude and appreciation for it. So as the founder of a startup, you do have to wear many different hats um, within the team and outside the team. So I am my own secretary. I am the director of management, director of marketing, director of uh, product design, director of like uh, logistics operations. It's it's really a lot to learn, and it's it's really all exciting stuff. I would say that most of the things that I hop into or a new project or campaign that I hop into is all pretty foreign to me, but there are a lot of things that I've done in my life and have learned actually through Cal State Fullerton or through my time at NYU that I'm like, oh, this is just like running a digital campaign is just like running a, a, an event in real life. I have to make sure that our invitations are out. I have to make sure that we have RSVPs. I have to make sure that our messaging is uh, for the event is clearly communicated. Um, and so while you're dealing with kind of all of the moving parts to your startup, I think the other piece that is not always talked about is I'm also always looking for someone to learn from. So I'm always looking for, oh, like another journal book that was also started in someone's home or something. And I'm like, hey, like I'm sending a lot of cold emails because I'm like, hey, I've never done this before and you seem to be really successful. I would love your help. Um, a lot of my time, anytime I'm gro going grocery shopping, if I'm driving over to my sister's apartment, um, I'm listening to podcasts that are helping me as not only, um, you know, not only a founder to be able to run the operations of the company, but also to be the best manager and to be the best leader that I can be because if, because I don't, I can't do this alone. Um, so I've hired, you know, interns and I've had folks that have worked on this with me. Um, so in order to work on the startup, you actually also have to be really flexible. You're, you're a people person and, um, with running the Kickstarter, something changes every day. People, um, find out about you in many different ways. You try to have people, you know, understand your message and then you're also, you're fundraising. So you're also um, making sure that um, you're raising enough funds so that you can meet your goal. 
uh, and then ma also making sure in the back end that you're producing the product accordingly so that you can fulfill all of the rewards that you have promised people. And along that, you're also making sure that, um, you know, people in your field know exactly what you're doing um, and so that you're supporting other environmental orgs. So let's get back to um, some of the things that you currently do. And one of the questions I wanted to ask was, what does, what does success mean to you? Because I know a lot of people, uh, maybe their end goal of success is starting their own business or a startup and like having their own times or their own hours to work. So um, how does that like apply to you? Oh, that gave me chills when you asked me that because I don't think I've thought about this in a while. Uh, I think when you think of success and goals and stuff as a founder, you're always looking at, you know, if we reach X amount of, I don't know, followers or engagement on social media, that will be successful or whatever. But when you take a step back and as a founder, what does success mean to you? It's, it's a lot deeper than that. And I think for me, um, it goes beyond the journal books. I think that if I am able to, um, if I am able to help somebody, if, I, if I'm able to motivate someone to take action, even if it's a, even if it's to join an event or if it's to volunteer for an organization or to watch a movie on environmentalism, you know, plastic pollution, I would say, I would count that as a success because I think that what is lacking in the environmental movement is um, an open door, welcoming anyone. So I'll tell the story. Um, when I was really young, I went to Glen Oaks Elementary in Glendale, California. And my teacher asked the class and she said, who here is a feminist? And this was in 2003 or four. And nobody really raised their hand because nobody really understood what a feminist meant. Um, and so she was like, okay, well, how many of you, um, she's like, no one, no one raises their hand. We're like, I don't know, like, blah, blah, blah. We were really hesitant. When she asked the second question, she says, so who here thinks that the girls in this classroom and your mothers um, or any woman in your life should have the right to vote? And everybody's hand shot up. And she looks at the class and she goes, well, that means that everybody here is a feminist. And so that needs, I think that transition needs to happen with um, environmentalism. I think that my question to everybody watching this is who cares about clean water, clean air, um, you know, a plastic free ocean so that uh, one day when you're surfing out there, you don't necessarily see plastic bags floating. Um, if you care about those things, if you care about mountaintops and stuff, sure, there's a lot of different sciences and a lot of different, you know, debates around climate change and yada yada. But at the end of the day, if you care about what we have and how, how beautiful the sky is, then I would also call you an environmentalist. And I think that I would call the Climate Journal Project as a success, as a success is if we continue to invite more people towards this. Um, and a friend of mine and I talk about this a lot, climate optimism. Um, you know, if, if people feel more connected and people uh, are encouraged to have a relationship with the planet in their own way, um, you know, you might be passionate about renewable energy where I am passionate about water, but at least you and I are driving or uh, walking towards the same goal, which is um, 
conservation and preserving our planet, then then we're both, it's fine. Like we're both kind of like in the club of, or in this like space of trying to make, leave this world a better place than the way we found it. So um, long story short, my vision and my definition of success is um, if I look at, like if I'm having a climate journal event one day or whatever, and I look around the room and I'm like, wow, like all of these people, um, all of these people are here on their, by choice. It's not because I force them to care about the environment. It's because they all care about the beauty of um, nature and they all care about continuing to share that passion and that love for the planet the same way that I've felt. So um, hopefully that's not too abstract of an answer, but I do think, um, you know, if we're, if we're placing measurements on this, I would say um, a successful climate journal project looks will be kind of global they you know people will understand the power of journaling and hopefully one day i can walk into a room and people will be like oh like like i understand why like they won't ask me what my experience of journaling is they will tell me what their experience of journaling has been and how journaling has helped them in terms of becoming closer to the planet mm -hmm. i see yeah that was a good answer um just talking about how this is like starting up and uh where it's success does lie in the future and i like the example you gave with uh targeting people who do not know much about like climate activism like many people didn't know about feminism many years ago mm -hmm. and talking about just simple things that would make someone a climate activist even if they did not know they were one so i like the way that you're making it very simple for someone to uh just start even if they don't have any funds to go about it there's still like online resources and they could journal on their own and if they do mm -hmm. they can back the project Thank you. Yeah. So uh, let's go back to some of the things you did at university. So I'm wondering, what is your favorite memory at Cal State Fullerton? I would say one of my favorite memories is, um, do you know, okay, so the gastronome is, <laughs> the gastronome is um, the place where people that live on campus, that's, that's kind of like their kitchen and that's where their, that's their cafeteria. Um, so uh, one of my favorite memories is just going there and hanging out even though I wasn't hungry <laughs> and just going there because I had like the unlimited five-day pass or something um, and then I remember uh, like I remember one day kind of walking out of the gastronome and the sun was setting because I think I got out of class really late and the sun was setting and I looked at my calendar and I was like oh I have nothing on my calendar but I looked around the campus and I remember thinking, even though I have no plans, I have an unlimited amount of things that I can do today. And it's all because of the campus. I could go to a housing event. I could go to an ASI event. I could hang out with my friends that I live with, um, you know, on my floor because I lived on campus. I could hang out with my sorority sisters. I could, but it was such a interest, an interesting feeling. I didn't commit to anything. I didn't do anything. I just remember looking at the sunset, walking out of the gastronome and being so fulfilled with how much Cal State Fullerton had given me. And um, I took a photo. I, I think I deleted it off my Instagram, but I remember just being so grateful for, um, for that because I also remember when my parents left me, <laughs> when my parents left, um, when they helped me move in, I remember standing in that same spot because I think we parted ways right in front of the gastronome and looking up at the sky and being like, oh my gosh, this is like my parents have left. Now I have to be on my own. But 
at this particular day uh, around dinner time, I felt so, so happy to be on campus and to be able to sleep, eat, um, go to class um, on campus. Uh, and I was able to do that for two years. So I don't think there's a particular memory, but I just remember that moment where I felt like I had so many choices and it was because of uh, the community that Cal State Fullerton brought to me. I see. That is pretty interesting. You just like having that free time and like choice to do whatever you want. And I feel like you get that a little bit more in undergrad than you would uh, sort of be reading your master's because uh, I just feel like with your master's, everything is just like so booked. You're kind of busy with a lot of things. And then uh, like you mentioned, most people do have jobs while they're getting their master's as well. So it's kind of just a little bit more difficult in comparison to your undergrad. And that's one of the things I think I would say, you know, I know that folks are online right now, uh, but Cal State Fullerton still, like there are how many, like 30,000, 40,000 students on campus. And those are just students. Uh, there are faculty members, there are a network of alumni, there's the network, even past Cal State Fullerton, there's the CSU community. and. Um, I don't think that I wouldn't change a thing. I've always felt supported at Cal State Fullerton. So, and I still continue to feel that way. Tell me a little bit about uh, some advice you would give to students who are maybe trying to start a startup or uh, their own business. And uh, what are like some tips that you have gone through that you would wish that like other students or maybe people who already graduated would follow? I would say that it's always gonna feel, it's never gonna feel like the right time to start. Uh, so <laughs> the best time to start is now, uh, because, you know, sometimes the only way out is through. And so if, if you're always wondering, you know, if you're always waiting for the right time to start a business or a startup, it's, um, most likely not necessarily gonna jump out in front of you and be like, okay, um, February 15 is the perfect day to do this. It's not something that you can schedule. Um, my tip for that too, though, is because things are uh, sometimes uncertain and inevitable in startup culture, just be prepared for anything. Um, you know, put your put all of your uh, hard work into whatever you're doing, but then also leave a little bit of room to to be flexible because you never know when a pandemic is around the corner. Uh, you never know when, you know, a car accident, like what happened to me will happen. Um, and those are the things that we can't plan for. We can only plan so much. And for me as a planner, a type A, I'm, I'm very type A. Um, I think that's something that I had to loosen my grip on. I had to loosen my grip on set plan. And the more I was able to, you know, plan as much as I can, but then also be like, you know what, if this doesn't work out, then it wasn't meant to be. Um, and also, with startup culture, it always feel there's always like a new set of problems. Sometimes uh, for me right now, you know, I'm like, okay, when the Kickstarter is over, it will free up X amount of time. Not really, because after the Kickstarter is over, I have to now, my new kind of project is fulfilling all of those orders. And you always are with the continuous growth of your company, you will also be continuously growing. And so you cannot necessarily um, expect to grow without some criticism sometimes, without um, falling on your butt sometimes. Um, and, and so take those moments as moments to learn because as I always say, sometimes rock bottom is not really rock bottom. It's actually a springboard for the next best thing. And 
that's that's what I would want to leave. Um, that's a tip that I would want to leave some some Cal State Fullerton folks that are interested in starting their own thing or starting a startup. That is awesome advice that uh, people could use when starting a startup. I know a lot of people try and give up early or uh, it might not even be just doing like a startup, but maybe their own personal goals. Like uh, they might say like, oh, tomorrow I'll start journaling or tomorrow I'll start reading or working out. But at tomorrow just turns into next year and that never happens. Um, so just like starting right now, uh, it's like the best thing that you can do. I always say, if I don't do it now, I won't do it. Like if I don't do it now, then I don't, there, I'm not going to leave room, you know, to, to do it later. It's going to fall at the very bottom of. And then to end it off, uh, I just had a question. Could you give um, a pitch for uh, your two areas of studies? So business admin and then food studies. So tell me why someone would want to get into those and uh, what the future holds for them. Yeah, um, I would say business, business and administration has taught me so much more than I expected. I think I'm always looking back into what I learned in college and I'm like, oh, like, yeah, like supply and demand, yada, yada. Um, business allows you to um, put a certain pair of glasses on into anything. If you're, in, if you're interested in the stock market, if you're interested in startups, if you're interested in tech, if you're interested in food, um, having a business-based knowledge will always prepare you for what's to come. I don't think that, I don't think that, um, yeah, I don't think that business knowledge will ever be um, something that becomes useless. And so uh, business finance, on the other hand, has been really interesting for, it's always interesting to whip out those book of notes um, anytime I am preparing for a presentation. When I was in the startup incubator, I was, I understood all of the terms. You're not always going to remember every single detail of every single class that you take. You know, I don't remember every investment class that I take or anything like that, but you always have the basics and you can always apply it to anything that you do. Even if you work for a nonprofit, I know it feels counterintuitive, but um, nonprofits have CFOs and they also deal with cash flow and money and, and investments and grants and stuff. So um, the more, yeah, business administration gives you so much basic knowledge that you can take anywhere with you, anywhere in the world. It's a pretty common language, I would say. It doesn't necessarily, it doesn't really change. Um, in terms of food studies, I would say that food is also a common language. So um, I think I've picked, I've been lucky enough to pick two areas of studies where it's pretty commonly known. Business, any, like if I were to move to, uh, you know, a part of Europe one day, I could easily probably find a job that is tailored to my interests and my, my skills. Um, food is also a common language. So uh, no matter where you are in the world, there is probably going to be some sort of um, food insecurity issue. There's probably going to be, there are food, um, there are groceries in that area. There are probably food tech companies that are trying to improve the longevity of certain foods or the, you know, the improve the organic systems in that country. And so I would say the food studies program, while it was specific to the intersections of food insecurity and food waste, I could really take that knowledge. Um, even if my knowledge is basically just in the US, I could really take my business and food knowledge and take it anywhere, um, anywhere I go in the world. So uh, I didn't wanna go into too much specifics of which schools, but I also think that depending on your mentors, depending on the clubs and organizations that you're a part of, 
um, then you can tap into different networks. Um, I've met people from the World Resources Institute, the UN, Oceanic Global, um, you know, different food banks all over the world, um, and then different investors from, from all over the world. So it's been, it's nice to have a background, an academic background that um, people resonate with. So people will always resonate with business or people will always have an experience with food. Mm -hmm. So those are like good pitches to both of them. So if people are uh, maybe undeclared or they're trying to get into Kelsey Fullerton and don't know what mm -hmm. uh, they should focus on, those two are some perfect uh, areas of study for people to major in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, if that's where your heart, where your heart, heart lies, then I recommend it. Um, and if it's not, then taking one class will lead you to the next class and, and somehow, some way you'll, you'll find your way. Thank you so much, Yvonne, for joining us today on the podcast. Thank you. Um, I had such a blast uh, coming back and talking to some Cal State Fullerton uh, students, but also alumni. So thank you so much for having me. Uh, I really appreciate it. No problem. And to any students out there, um, if you want, you can join the Titan Pro Network. And Yvonne, I'm not sure if you have heard of it or if you are on it. I don't know. I just came back to California. So hopefully I'm on it. So sign me up if I'm not on mm -hmm. it yet. <laughs> so, so basically what our Titan Pro Network is, is that it's basically like our own LinkedIn site for Cal State Fullerton students, alum, and faculty and staff. So it is very easy to get connected with other people from Cal State Fullerton, regardless of where you are and like what your position is at CSUF. So, and it's a very good way to ask like those questions to alum. Um, if you're not sure, like going back to like the very beginning of this episode where we talked about uh, you not needing to reinvent the wheel and instead you can just get those tips and advice from those uh, alum who have gone through those experiences. Um, so yeah, once you join it, it's very simple to do. You can just sign up with your LinkedIn if you already have one. And with it, you can just reach out to any alumni on there. And currently we have over a thousand alumni signed up. So there's gonna be someone who can give you advice on whatever you're going through.